0: What's up everybody, this is Soccer Chat, your weekly coaching podcast. We've got some great friends that support us, like our good friends Tiff, Adelaide, and Bobby over at Brand. Check out DoTickBrand.com for all your coaching accessory needs. Use the promo code Soccer Chat when you're checking out to get yourself a sweet discount. It's DoTickBrand.com. Shout out to our friends over at Torx, T-O-R-R-X.com. You already know what it is, the world's greatest ball pump. And I've seen some of you are getting back to action because your states are opening up and allowing you to start training. And you are already letting people know this Torx has been awesome to get these things back going and get those balls pumped up. So make sure to get yours at torrx.com and make sure to let them know that the Soccer Chat Guy sent you. This is a listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you who's listening to this very episode. The best way you can support us is by going on to our links on chatsoccer, C-H-A-T-S-O-C-C-R on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram and share the links to the show and make sure to let us know when you're sharing the links what your favorite part of the show was uh, or something that you enjoyed about, something that you learned from it and letting your friends know that they should take a listen to. He's Nick, I'm Sean, and Nick, what I think has been a theme for our show has been, it's been a crazy week. We've had the pandemic for the last few weeks. And now with the topic that we're going to be talking about today um, with Black Lives Matter, it has truly been a crazy week.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean, I think it's, I think it's one of those moments where we, like normally we do a little bit longer of an intro and talk, but I think it's, this is probably one of those weeks where I think just getting to the interviews, probably the, The best thing that we could do to spread the message like you said that black lives do matter and our our friends uh, around the community are very very important to us and we want to want to allow people to help educate and share their stories so stuff like this eventually stops happening
0: and make sure to check out um, on facebook and on twitter we'll put the video version of this out as well uh, so that way you can can, can see everybody chatting and, and this great discussion uh, that uh, has to be had and it needs to be had. And, and if you haven't had this conversation, it's uh, it, it's it's allowing you to be a part of it.
2: All pirates, yes, they rabbi sold I to the merchant ships. Minutes after day to I from the bottomless pit. But my hand was made strong By the end of the Almighty We forward in this generation Triumphantly Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever have Redemption songs, redemption songs.
0: Emancipate Every week, illustrious guests bringing you just everything that's going on in the world of coaching, in the world of coaching soccer. But this week, we're going even a step further. Uh, you know, we've had coaches on uh, during the pandemic, uh, coaches who had just lost their job, coaches who had just accepted a job. But anybody who's, who's uh, seen a TV, read their phone, uh, saw the newspaper, has, has seen what's going on uh, with the protests going on uh, around the country uh, with the recent death of George Floyd, uh, with, with Brianna from Louisville, and obviously uh, previous deaths of African Americans before that. Um, and we've seen a rise uh, in our country uh, of, of even more people standing out and speaking out Um, and and standing up for the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, And I think if you were to go on um, a majority of college athletics websites, you've seen uh, their posts, you've seen high school posts, you've seen a lot of uh, organizations and coaches come out to to pledge their support. Uh, And we're very lucky enough this week to have with us coaches who, uh, you know, bring a a whole new level uh, to this, uh, you know, and I'll share with like Nick and myself, uh, you know, Nick reached out and said, you know, there's so much I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. There's so much I need to learn uh, so that way I can pass this on to my players, but also so that way I can be more uh, able to speak uh, publicly uh, the more I know. Uh, And so we felt it was a, a perfect timing to have coaches on, uh, to talk about how this is affecting them, how it's affecting what they do as a coach, how's it affecting them as a person, uh, and as well as how's it affecting their teams, uh, because we all have uh, diverse teams, whether it's a small diverse group or a big diverse group. Uh, you know, we do have diverse in our team, and this is something that, uh, you know, our, our own players are talking about. So what we'll do is uh, we'll have everybody kind of go through, and we'll, we'll start off uh, with, with Mario, and then we'll go with uh, Alicia, and then we'll go with, Ywande, and then we'll go with Robert in that order. Uh, so will not you guys go ahead and introduce yourself uh, and kind of give us a background on how you got to where you're coaching at now.
3: Yeah, uh, Mario Felix. I'm at Southern Utah University. Uh, just recently got hired here in January. Moved out here March 1st. Bird gang. Pet, bird gang. And, uh, you know, the pandemic started on the 12th. So it's been an interesting uh, transition here. Prior to that, I was at... Uh, UC Santa Barbara in the Big West Conference and then Westmont and I was a head men's coach at Bethel in Kansas I was at the University of Kansas um, spent some time as a volunteer at Colorado Christian uh, and did the club scene through the Rush organization for about six years so I've had a little bit of experiences at all different levels.
4: Hi, Alicia Whitehead. I'm at FYU a Women's Soccer Program here in Miami, Florida. Um, beforehand, I was at UC Davis in California, so Big West Conference with Mario. And then before that, I'm in the southeast at Stanford University in Birmingham, Alabama. And um, that was the beginning of my college career from coaching standpoint. And I uh, played overseas before that and then just felt the need to get into the coaching game and inspire some people. So that's my story.
5: I am Ywande Balagoon. I am currently at UC Davis. Um, was
0: also in the Big West with Mario for a year. Um, Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a big West staff party or something <laughs> right? up <in> there. <laughs> Every time we do like our Tuesday night calls, it's a U or a uh, Southern Utah staff party because the entire staff comes on our our Tuesday night calls and they just have <laughs> their staff meetings there. So we might as well do the big west for, uh, for no, like. Shout it too. out,
5: right? <laughs> I'm pretty new though I got out here in uh, what last July June something like that Um, prior to that I was at the University of Maryland um, my alma mater actually and before that my first college job was at American University Um, played you know semi-pro all those things didn't get to play in the pro leagues
1: but you know is what it is
0: don't worry neither did Nick or I (laughs) it's all good look where we're credentials at
1: credentials will always be better than sean's and mine like all, <laughs> it's not a hard it's not a hard one i'll, those I'll take solace in that then yeah.
0: <laughs> i'm fairly certain that there are people who they do think about that that are like you know what like my resume is way better than nick and sean's it's mm-hmm. so like i'm good with life
4: <laughs>
0: huh?
6: bermuda raw big tings
0: Step up, my man. Up? Uh,
6: my name is Robert Williams. I'm the assistant women's soccer coach at Brookhaven College in Farmers Branch, Texas, North Dallas. Um, from Bermuda, played in Bermuda, coached in Bermuda, uh, moved, in, moved to Dallas in 2013, um, wanted to get back into coaching. Uh, so I joined the Brookhaven program as, as the assistant in 2015. Um, been there ever since. Love it. Grinding, two-time national champions, you know, so big up to that. Humble so, brag,
0: I was waiting for that one. Uh, a
6: little something, something, you know, trying to be like, you know, Bill Bel- Belichick, but you know how it goes. Don't but, try to uh, be like
0: Bill Belichick. <laughs>
6: <laughs> but, um, yeah, been here, love it, absolutely love it. Um, I'm a big fan of Juco. I think Juco is where a lot of kids don't really get the recognition they deserve, you know, so we help them get to four-year school, so
1: that, that's my journey right there. Perfect. That's awesome. Should we get into it, Sean? Shall we? Let's go. All right. Sounds good. Um, so again- I, I
0: just, I want to, before Nick goes, I do want to state this. So when we talked about doing this and Nick was just like, you know, I want to, and I guess i, I, I talked to my wife about this. And it was it, the thing that she kind of mentioned was like, you know, if Nick feels awkward at all, like that's how it needs to be. So Nick, like make it awkward. Like everything that you've thought about, like this is the opportunity. Mario has been waiting for this moment. Uh, since we said we were going to do the show
1: no and, and again we really appreciate you guys coming on there's a lot of people out there I think that really need to hear this kind of conversation and that's especially me and um, so kind of start off and it was a question that we talked about a little bit last night on the the coaches call but like at what age did you realize like when you were playing or growing up and things like that where you started realizing that it might be a little bit different, like that your your skin color was different than those around you. And it was the first time you guys experienced really what it was like to maybe feel a little bit different than the people around you. Uh, and, And anyone can go on that. Ooh, that's a tough first question to start out with right here, right. for sure. I, I should have, I should have like eased into it a little bit.
5: You're driving
4: right in. All right.
6: Well, there we go. Go so hard, so
4: hard to go home. Uh, <laughs> I'll go first. Um, for me, I grew up in Mississippi. Uh, that's a hard state to grow up in, in the first place, you know, and stuff. And um, just that being said, I think I realized it when my parents had to sit me down and just, like, go over some just, like, cardinal rules. And just like understanding that if A, B, and C happens, this is how I need for you to respond. And I think that's when I knew that, hey, like something's different here. And then like, you know, if that A, B or sent Black, I was just like, why aren't they responding the way my parents taught me to respond and handle situations and stuff. And so um, that was definitely quite challenging. There was definitely like some moments when I was little and I was quite frustrated, you know, with my parents like telling me like this is how it needs to go and like you know had those crying frustration moments with them and everything and I could tell that was hard for them but like at the same time they said like hey like you know rise up to the opportunity like you can still reach and get to the goals that you want to it's just like that's just it's hard because it's like you're being told like that's just the way it is but like you know like that's not right and that's not fair and everything and so yeah so um it's, it's interesting. I'm starting a little emotional already, man. We just yeah. started the the sky called like <laughs> when, question when one. That, yeah, when you go I think like when you have to like go back into that and like re relive it, it's like even more challenging because like I, I think all of us, you know, have had those moments where like families had to sit them down and talk to them and everything. Or like your response got a response back from like an entity that is just like, wait what's what's going on here something something's not adding up and everything and so yeah that's that's what i have with that but no
1: really, really appreciate that, that alicia that's a really good first answer um does, that, does anyone want to follow up with that with some of their own experiences yeah
5: i'll yeah. go oh, um, no, go ahead no go oh sorry guys uh, <laughs> ladies first. First. um so for me i had a very interesting upbringing i I knew that I was. It was going to be different for me. Just even when people that looked like me, right, would kind of give me a little bit of grief, right, because of my name. I'm Nigerian American. Um, so you know, I grew up with all of those. You know, being named called, you know, African booty scratcher, all of those things, right. So I got that side of it as well. You know, um, and you know, growing up in P.G. County, Maryland, you know, predominantly black. So where this, where I grew up, everyone kind of looked like me. Um, but then going to school. You know, I got bused to um, a different school. So I, you know, it was a big mix. So I got a little bit of everything in there. And then, but playing soccer, um, there weren't very many Black people playing soccer. Growing up, everyone else was playing basketball and football and all those things. So, you know, beyond having... That you know feeling from you know being a Nigerian American. I also now I'm out on the field and I'm the only black girl on the team and I'm not small by any stretch of the imagination. I've never been small, um, so when everyone's telling me that you know they want to see my card because I'm too big and I'm clearly not old enough to be in this age group and kind of getting that from every angle, um, that for me was definitely the beginning of it. And I didn't identify what that was until way later in life, um, but that's kind of when I knew. Okay, like this isn't. I'm not getting treated the same way as as everyone else around me. So that was probably the first, the first time I I kind of felt that growing up.
1: Yeah, and, and I That's think a... Mar- Mara, yeah, go. Now, I um
3: I've had a different twist on it because I I have black Puerto Rican, Dominican, and Hawaiian, and every single one of my ancestors were put in the same situation. Hawaiians were forced to become a state. Puerto Ricans are forced to be uh, a part of the United States, but not a state, right? And then Dominicans were a pit stop from the slave trade to America. And then I have the black culture. And I have literally, I am um, like, have 32% through my ancestry.com from Nigeria and 12% from Ghana. And so every side of my family have literally grown up and as bad as it sounds, talked about the white man in a negative context. So from early on in Hawaii, when I was born in Hawaii, raised by my Puerto Rican grandma, and she made it very clear, like, it's going to be tough. Um, where we're currently at, Hawaii was forced to be a state. Where we came from, we we're forced to be a part of the United States. Where we've derived from, we we're forced to go to the United States. So everything in my culture has always been like, to an extent, I don't I'll I'll keep it real anti-American to an extent. Um, And so I've always had that preached to me and it didn't really set in until I went to, I guess you could kind of say a little bit more um, white church and my youth pastor's son called me the N word because I beat him in a foot race in a parking lot. And he's like, well, you're just a stupid boom. And I, and that, I've already known it. I grew up in Southern, I moved to Southern California. There's always the Brown black divide and then, you know, there's always the racism, but it really clicked when I got thrown into the church and that's when I expected it to be like the safe Haven and my youth pastor's son called me the N word, you know? And so I already knew it. I had already had that, that mentality of knowing like, it's going to be hard and you know, you're light skinned So you're already going to be divided Uh, against a different shade. And then, you know, Yawande's from PG County. I moved to PG County and I went to uh, actually the rival high school of Roosevelt. I went to Northwestern. And so then I had to deal with that as well of not being dark skin. And then the El Salvadorians, you're Dominican, Puerto Rican. And so then it became just like, it's just entwined in everything in my experience because I have all these heritages and it's like, you have to pick a side. And they're literally all derived from the same place, you know?
1: Yeah. Like to to go up that Mara, like as a follow up, like what made that like opinion of like white Americans or like the USA like what made it change for you or has it changed? Like where you feel like that someone reached out or like you found a, a group that made it a little bit better, at least, if that's even the case.
3: And if it's out yeah, that, I mean, I, I, no, no. I mean, listen, there's good people everywhere. And I was fortunate enough because of sports finding that demographic, but at the same time in sports, and we can all probably attest to this. I also found the people that would get mad on the pitch, mad on the court, mad on the field. And the first inclination they had was to drop the N word. And it's like, wait, so you go from zero to 100 because you got ran And by because you got tackled, you got crossed over, the ball was stolen from me. And I played a lot of sports and literally it was like, you know, it was competitive and all of a sudden it, it turned racial, you know? And so, um, but to answer your question, I think I'll be real the back of my head. I've always had that little hesitation, a little hesitation because I decided to do research early on and, and I wanted to learn about our history and the stuff I found out was extremely disheartening.
1: Yeah. And I don't think anyone, based off of what you just said, like I don't think anyone could blame you for that at all. Um, can I go into the next question, Robert? Let's let's have you start on this one. What's what's maybe the most difficult thing that you've gone through being a, a black coach in the United States? Because um, I, I imagine there's a lot a lot of things that are are, are tough. And uh, like maybe what's what's an experience that was difficult for you, like being a black coach in the United States? Um.
6: I say the, the most difficult thing for me is uh, scouting and recruiting in Texas, in rural Texas. Like, um, I feel very uncomfortable. You know, some some places I go in, in East Texas and West Texas. Like, come on. I grew up in the country. You know, island that's predominantly black. So we experience racism, but not to the level of the U S again, because we're predominantly black, but um, I've been to places in in rural Texas, man, where you just get those looks and and, and those whispers. And man, it's just the worst feeling. It's the worst feeling. When when you stop in a little uh, cafe to, to grab a bite to eat. When you just finished recruiting stuff and you're like, uh, I need to hurry up and I need to get out of her because can't wait for the sun to go down because I don't want to be that guy that gets stopped uh, two, three hours outside of Dallas and who's going to know what's going to happen to me? Like, um, I, I've i seen it, the looks, the stirs, the, the conversations, you know, you get in elevators with uh, white women and they're, cl- they're uh, clenching their purses and, and everything. It's, it's, It's crazy. You know, I've never had anybody directly say the N-word to me. This, I mean, My is a little different, you know, so I'm like, I try not to. I was a crash officer for eight years, so I try to, you know, keep, keep that in. But if you push me to that level, it's, things are going to happen. But I don't want to do that because then I don't know what's going to happen to me. Is it going to be like a Emmett situation where I say something to a white person and then I'm not going to make it back? You know, is it going to be – it's just a lot that goes through my mind. So, honestly, the, the hardest part for me being a black coach is, is recruiting in, in rural Texas just because I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make it back up. Even in Dallas, I don't really know. So, it's th- th- those are legit fears for me, and I know it happens. So, that's, that's probably the hardest part for me. It's just really being scared to go out, starting and recruiting.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah. did anyone, by happen to uh, the Kalamazoo college coach uh, recently put out an article. Has anyone seen that one yet? No. Um, it, it's a really good article. Uh, he's he's a black coach and he was talking about like how like last week his daughter um, started crying because he, his 14 year old daughter started crying because he was about to go for a run and she was afraid he wasn't going to come back uh, because of everything that happened. Uh, and, and like, he's like, very upset, rightfully so, that he has to explain to her that he's going to be okay. But he like, but he doesn't even know that himself sometimes. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really interesting, uh, sad article. Um, does anyone else have uh, any follow up to Robert with that one?
4: Um, I think for me personally, what I've noticed, I'm six three, so Iwande with the whole thing of like you know the big black kid playing a sport. Uh, I feel like. In fifth, in the fifth grade, I was 5'10". Like, I was tall. Like, I, I'm i standing out. I can't hide. And so, um, that being said, just, like, from a playing standpoint, also from a coaching standpoint, just, like, how referees, like, manage me in the game, you know, and stuff. And so, like, I think from a coaching standpoint, like, I've had scenarios where I'm just, like, saying, hey, referee, sir, ma'am, like, I have a question, and it comes off, like, whoa, you're threatening me. Like, if you say something else, like – throwing out the game and you're just like i'm just asking the question trying to like clarify the situation of the game and everything and so um i think that's challenging from several different directions because like everyone is seeing that happen everyone is like waiting to see a response and everything like that and of course my response i'm going to just you know sit sit down and not agitate them anymore because you know my why is to empower and show um young females you know how to be best versions of themselves even in adversity and everything like that but that that is hard to know that, like, your game plan going into the game, like, you have to be aware of those situations and stuff. But then, you know, I've seen situations where I've seen a coach just chew out and, like, demoralize the referee, and they, like, just let it happen. Then I ask a question, it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing right there? And stuff like that. And, um, yeah, so I think that's – I think just, like, payback what everyone is saying from the previous question and now this question, too, is, like, almost – For me personally, you guys can agree or disagree, but I feel like I've had to, like, teach myself to, like, be numb to those responses and things that happen and just keep pushing on and going towards, like, the goal of the why of what I'm trying to do with my job. And, like, even before that, playing-wise and, like, even before that, like, in school and everything. So it's, like, in everything I do, I'm going to have to, like, numb those feelings and that hurt because, like, I want to get towards the goal that I want to achieve, like, whether it's coaching, whether it's your education, whether it's playing, so um, that's a quite challenging thing to know that you have to do that. And like, you know, when kids come into the play, it's like, it's disheartening to know I'm going to have to have that conversation that my parents had too, you know, that, um, like we love that you have these goals. You're going to have to like be above reproach, um, no mistakes, best behavior. And even when someone comes at you and like, you're called derogatory names or like, I haven't I had the experience in the recruiting process where like the club, coach that I had was basically pointing college coaches to other players and like setting me up to not be seen and everything. And so just to hear that, like that's disheartening to know that, you know, um you're investing so much time in the club soccer. Um you're trying to like get the chance to get a scholarship, get education. And people are plotting against a 15, 18 year old kid. Like, what have I done? Like that's that's like the hard reality of like what is going on like on in America and like even across the world. Like it's not just like a US thing, like it's a global thing too. So
1: yeah. Uh, no, uh, Alicia, I like I, I think you like you speak really well. Um the question that I think is a good follow-up to that, because um I, I think a few coaches spoke really well on the United Soccer Coaches call about this. And Marsha Harper, who's an awesome coach from American, uh I got to meet at Wisconsin camp a few years ago said the question, I kind of want to pose it to you guys. Do you think there's a higher standard set for black coaches in what they need to do in, in the coaching world? Like, do you think there's a higher standard for you guys that, that it's like, and you guys spoke to that you have to be perfect. And um, USC coach today on the call also spoken that, that you need to be perfect. Is that, do you feel that you guys are held to a higher standard um, and that, that you can't make any mistakes?
3: I wouldn't frame it as the context of a higher standard. Um, I don't think black coaches are given that much respect to be completely honest with you. Um, statistically there's three hundred and thirty-three division one programs in our, in, in division I, in women's soccer. There's 17 black head coaches. There's three coaches that have had a head coaching job more than once Uh I believe his name is Clive in the 80s he's passed away Kadani and uh he was at Birmingham Southern Washington State now at USC and Kai Edwards there's also only three current programs in the United States division 1 that have more than two black people on staff our staff FIU and USC so there I won't put it as a higher standard I think it's a big bigger magnifier right and so we are watched in everything we do. And like Alicia said, and listen, I coached against her and I literally saw the moment she's talking about. You remember that when we played you guys? And yeah. she stood up and asked a very calm question. And several people, not just referees included, blew up. And it was like, what, what's the deal? Now, if your head coach who was, you know, and I love her to death, a, a, sh- a white female, shorter individual would she have gotten that same response? And my, my answer is absolutely not, but we're under a much bigger magnifying glass to where our lease is extremely short and our chances are so limited. Um, you know, and I kind of want to touch on that last part is um, I see a lot of coaches on social media standing up right now. I'm fed up with this equality, this, that, and the other. And I see a lot of those coaches that haven't even hired one black person on their staff ever. So you want to talk about equality but you haven't even hired a person of color on your staff. And there's a lot of them out there. And it's like, you're talking, but you're not doing anything actions. What about the opportunities that black po- coaches should be given? I mean, who watched the national championship this year? How many black players are on the field? A lot, <laughs> more than 60%. Yep. And how many black coaches were on the sideline? Yeah, None. zero. And so... We're not, we're, it's, it's not a higher standard. It's a shorter leash and a, a much bigger magnifying glass, which is unfortunate um, because people are afraid that we might say something inappropriate or we're considered having the stigma of being super outspoken um, or aggressive, all these terms that we're given that is completely inaccurate. Um, if you just get to know people individually, not by their sco- the color of their skin, but it happens day in and day out. And so, ask any of these coaches when I see them on the field at the recruiting events, I'm like, there. I mean, I sit next to I sat next next to Nikki Washington at every event because I'm like, there's another black coach, a black female. I love it, and I and because we have these conversations because there's not a lot of them. I text Yawande and I said, Hey, I would love to get a couple more black female coaches in the black coaches chat. And her response was absolutely. Unfortunately, there's not a lot. Mm-hmm. Marsha Harper said the same thing to me and it made me sad because it's the reality. Like there's not a lot. And why is it? Because there's a stigma that hasn't been broken and no one wants to actually talk about it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Danny, anyone else want to touch on it?
5: No, that was marvelous. Mario. Thank you covered it well
1: <laughs> he normally does uh normally normally when, there's a mic drop after every time mario speaks he he yeah. does it on our tuesday nights every time too i just
3: i just get passionate <laughs> about it man i'm so fed up dude i was raised by women my no men were really around i was raised by my grandma and and three black aunts and and everyone around me was a female so they were black and they were female, which is an even much tougher life than I have to live. Let's be real. And so I saw it on a daily basis. And so it frustrates the hell out of me. And I have a daughter. So I'm trying to fix as much as I can, which I know isn't going to happen. But, you know, I want any change that I can create. And that's why, like, yeah, it might be mic drops every time. But, dude, this is this is something that is near and dear to me. Um for personal reasons as well as professional reasons.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was it's, it's, incredible it's definitely
6: hard to uh, go after Mario. I mean, they have mic drop <laughs> moments. Just like, how do you even <laughs> talk that? So, no, but um it, it, right, you know? And even if you take it outside of college stuff, you even look at professional sports like the NFL, like everywhere else, like, it's like, why aren't there more black head coaches in, in the NFL? Like, they have to have, like... Uh, they they made rules and stuff where you have to interview minorities for, for jobs and all because they know that they're just not giving them any job. You can't tell me it's not plenty of qualified black coaches to be NFL head coaches, but they don't ever get it. And once they do, and they want to show at least. I mean, you got Mike Tomlin who's, who's been there the longest, but you know he's an exception. But well, when you look around the, the NFL, it, it's just like that. It, unfortunately, it's uh all the earners are, are white. You know, so a lot of them, they'll, they'll say they're not racist and stuff, but, you know, they don't want no person of color running their franchises. I mean, it's plain and simple. So, but most professional sports, is, it's just like that. I mean, even take take it further, Obama was president for, for eight years, and look at the standard that they try to hold him to, you know, being a, you know, a person of color in the highest position in the, in the world. So it's, we're just held to, to, to different standards. It's it's unfortunate, but it's for us. It, it's plain to see. For a lot of people, it's like no, nah, it's it's not that. It's just you're not working hard enough, or you don't have these qualities. It's always something for us, you know. But I mean, we gotta call it what it is.
1: No, yeah, the the Rooney Rule really hasn't changed anything um, in the NFL. Um, kind of to, to move on to the next thing because I I think you guys both covered it really well. Like. Um, I think there's a lot of people out there that are, are similar to me, like, that are kind of confused with what to do with any platform they have right now. And I guess, like, what are your guys' thoughts about, like, and what messaging you, do you have? Like, there seems to be two camps out there. One camp is this is a time to speak out, to show unity, solidarity, and things like that. And there seems to be another camp where this is a time to actually sit back, uh, be a little bit more silent, and allow black voices to be out more prominently um, to, to speak on issues that they're actually experiencing. What, 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 what would you guys advise? And maybe there's an answer somewhere in the middle, um, that for the people out there that are trying to figure out what to do. Um, and again, I think a lot of the issue is that there's a lot of people that are going to do it now. And then in a month or now, they're going to forget about it and, and not, not continue to do it. So I guess like, what would your message be for people out there that want to do something, but maybe don't necessarily know what to do right now?
5: So, (laughs) um, there are a lot of, you're right, there are a lot of different angles and a lot of people fall into so many different places within all of this. And I think to say, you know, oh, be silent and let the black voices be heard, I get that, but we've been saying the same things for a really, really long time. Like none of this- 400 years. (laughs) Specifically, 400 years. Right, so like none of this is new. Um, so I think if it's like, okay, yeah, let the black voices be heard. Like, are you actually listening now? Like, that's the question. Right. And for those that do want to speak out and say something, yes, great solidarity. But like, what are you actually doing? What actions are you taking to really make sure that, you know, those changes are being made. Right. That's the second thing. And I know there are a lot of people that are wondering what, how to, you know, make those changes. And that's another topic. Um, the other piece for me too, is that like, right now and i think because it is so prominent and it's 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 getting a lot of you know media and all these things like it's turning almost into like a you know a trend or a fad or you know whatever it is and it's like my pain is not like a popularity cop you know it's not it's not anything for you to just kind of like jump on the bandwagon and kind of just like oh i'm gonna post this black square and like that's my good deed for the next i don't know however many years you know like what are you doing after this right like what conversations are you having what education are you doing for yourself to to learn like don't just ask you know a black person you know all these questions about well what is this and like what's this how can I do this like if you haven't already done the work on your own and don't have questions about like what you've learned don't I I can't help you so I think there there are a lot of different Angles to come at it from, but those are my biggest I guess takeaways from that is like there has to be action, it can't just be words, it can't just be like, oh, let the black people speak like we've been speaking. listen, understand, take action.
1: no that's that's really, really good. Um, does anyone want to add to that?
6: Yeah, um you know what you one day said is 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 absolutely right. Um, don't just be like. It's it's gonna be a, a fed or you know a lot of influencers that they're doing it for for clout right now and oh it's the end thing like again over four hundred years we've been fighting these fights and our voices have been falling on, on on deaf ears. Like, everybody's outraged now about George Floyd. but What about the Eric Garner's, the Trayvon Martin's, you know, the, the Mike Brown's, and everybody else, the Philando Castile's, that we've seen the footage, we've seen these guys get brutally murdered. And it's like, it, it was never this outrage. And it's always something, uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't really want to say this, but it's true. Like, you got a lot of white people, you know, especially Republican people. I don't want to be political, but uh, that's what it is. It's always like, well, they shouldn't have ran. Uh, they shouldn't have talked to the police this, this way. Uh, they should have just been more obedient, this and that, but and even when they are, they're, they're still get, getting killed. You know, so we've been outraged, and we've been pissed off and fed up for years and years and years, and it keeps falling on, on deaf ears. You know, I, I don't know why this George Floyd uh, incident is more it's finally getting to people maybe because they actually saw this guy for nine minutes with his knee on his neck and like literally just 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 killed him just like that so but this is what's been going on for years and years and it's like a lot of white people they just don't understand it's always like it's always something but if you know it's been going on it have been screaming about this for hundreds of years why have you not done your research yourself to find out why a lot of people are asking me the question, why? Well, why are black people like this? Why can't black people, you know, I made it as as a white person. I worked hard. I was never given anything. But that's when you don't understand that your white privilege allowed you to get a lot of things that that, that you have now. You know, I tell people the the devastation of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They didn't even teach this stuff in school. That was black wealth. That was destroyed. They dropped bombs on that place. And that was the single most uh rate, like, next to the Civil War, you know? They don't you about the Tuskegee experiments where they were injecting black people with, with syphilis, you know, back in the day just to experiment on us. So it's so much stuff that we've been through. We've been beaten, we've been hung, we've been lynched, like everything. But it's been going on and we've been telling you for years and years and years. So why does it take this one incident to finally have people saying something? So um, I'm cautiously, cautiously optimistic that things are actually going to happen because it seems like it's a bigger movement but to be honest I really don't have that as much faith as I would like to
1: yeah and yeah no for sure I think I think uh like just a cover of my I think a lot like and this is not an excuse hopefully it doesn't sound like it. I think so many people I would imagine similar to me who just like didn't Ever see a ton of overt racism? Not that racism wasn't cur- occurring in in a lot of different ways, but I don't have people around there that, that are like saying the N word, that are doing like really negative things. But there's a lot of other layers of racism, and I think that I it's really opened my eyes over the last uh, week. And it's been it's unfortunate that it took that long um, to see like how much other stuff is occurring, and it, that that it's as bad as it's been. Um, for you, for everyone that's uh, that's black, for as long as it's been, and I, and I, and I, again, I'm not here to apologize for the entire white race or whatever. It's not my place to do that. But I think that there's a lot of people that really like don't understand what you guys are going through, and I think it's it t- it's unfortunate that it takes an event like this. But I I hope that it starts getting more people that to, to hear the message that you guys have been trying to say for a really long time. Um, Yes, sorry,
6: uh, just to to touch on that real quick, sorry. Yeah, no, Um, go for it, Robert. The fortunate part is a a lot of the real racism, you will never see. A lot of these racists will never see, you you never see what they're doing, but these racists make laws that affect black people. You know, you're not going to see when they get denied jobs or we're not going to give you a loan or we're going to give you a loan, but your interest rate is going to be that much higher, even though you're at the same risk uh, as a white person, you know, when they're being put in neighborhoods that, you know, full well, why you're putting them in, the, in neighborhoods when it comes to school funding in black neighborhoods. So it's a lot of stuff that you may not see or they may not be saying the, the words, but they have laws in place that are hurting black people. And they it's racism it's it's deep and it's widespread
3: i kind of wanted to just add on that real quick i think um and not not anything towards you nick but yeah. i think the white community sees what they want to see mm-hmm. um, more see. so than than none but um gentrification has been a consistent form of racism for as long as we've established as a as a country Um, you know, Black Wall Street, one example, right? But you go to any inner city, um, any places that we've been growing up, it's no longer looks the same, right? There's these multi-thousand dollar townhomes and condos and shopping centers, and they're continuously trying to inflate prices which don't allow these families to be able to afford to live there anymore. And then the job opportunities are less and less. So it's a systemic oppression, Right, And so it might not be just right in front of your eyes, but if you look through history, it is literally built into our culture. And gentrification is the most, like uh, right in front of your face form of racism and people don't recognize it. They just see, oh sweet, new condos. Oh sweet, an in and out burger. Oh sweet, a bed, bath and beyond. But they don't realize the fact that that whole block used to be a neighborhood where people were able to afford it and have a house, but now they're put into, you know, these even worse areas and living situations because that's all they can f- afford. So then now you are repeating the process and the stigma against black people and inner city black people continue because gentrification has continued to confine a whole entire race on a consistent
1: basis. Uh, uh, no, it's, and again, that's stuff that we definitely don't see. Um, so I, I, yeah, thank you, Mara. Um kind of the next question and it you wanted it, it kinda of, like what you said reminded me of something that really happened to me earlier today. So I I have a good friend that I talk to all the time, like probably daily or at least every other day, and Sean does too, Ian, uh who is who's black. And I, I called him today because I, I, I knew we were doing this tonight and I just kinda of wanted to run my questions by him. I wanted to be like, Hey, like, is this stuff that's okay to ask? And am I asking it the right way to get the message out? And so we're talking for 20 minutes. And like, there was a few different things that popped up because he was dealing with something at the, at his college and stuff. And, and I, I got, honestly, probably got 20, 25 minutes in the conversation. And I, I finally realized, Jesus, man, like, how are you doing? And uh, it, it's, it's sad. Cause I'm sure you guys all are dealing with people like me that are asking a lot of questions and, and that are, are curious and not with bad intentions, but with just have no idea how, like, cause unfortunately, because this, Came up, it didn't take away the other stressors in your life, the the things in the, in coaching, the things with being a dad, Mario, the things with being like any anything that is another part of the big parts that make you you guys who you are. How how do people not like? I think you to, you spoke to it pretty well. Where we gotta we have to do our own initial stuff, so when we come with questions, they're at least a little bit more specific. But how do we not overwhelm you guys at a time like this? Because, and then of course, Ian being the best, like the great friend that he is, like we talk and he's like, he, we talk about like how he's doing and stuff like that. And he's like, and of course he's asking me like, how, how's your fiance doing? Like, how's the wedding planning going? Cause he's such a, such a good guy that cares about me as well. But like, how do we not overwhelm you guys in this time? And then maybe that's not, there's no answer to it. I just, I, I know it took me 30 minutes of a conversation to realize that Ian was going like, and again, handling it as best as anyone possibly could for me to realize, crap, like I'm, I'm adding another layer to this that I don't need to be adding right now. But of course, Ian's an unbelievable guy and was really happy to help out. But, um, well,
6: I, I will say, um, I, I don't, I don't feel overwhelmed at all. I, I actually appreciate it more than anything. Like it's, Conversations that have, um, they, they should have been going on a, a long time ago. So, when, when anybody asks or they want information or they want to help or they want to know how black people feel about this, I'm, I'm all for it. Trust me, I've always been since, since day one, I'm the easiest person to talk to. You know, I'm very open. You know, I'm a, I'm a super extrovert, extrovert. So, for me, it's, I, I love it. So, if anybody wants to ask me any questions, how I feel, like me and our, our head coach, you know, we've been um, having a conversation. You know, because, you know, he's a 60 year old, you know, white guy, you know, Republican and stuff. So um, he, he just has been asking a lot of questions because he, he never really knew uh, why is this or why is that. So I've been answering uh, a lot of his questions. I gave him, you know, some some books that he needs that he should read and stuff. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Love the conversation. Enjoy it. If if I can help reach somebody else, like a, a white person, who can therefore reach, you know, other people, and, and we started try train like that, I'm always so I'm, I'm never overwhelmed with that personally.
1: No, that's great. Any does anyone else want to touch on? Is is everyone kind of kind of in the same boat as Robert with that one? Go ahead, Maria. <laughs> You got it. Mario been over there doing stretches, getting ready for this one. Every time Mario does a sit up, I know I'm going to hear some, I'm going to hear some. Well, I think you want to.
0: I I push everybody to Mario because I'm just like, he's so (laughs) well-spoken and like people probably listen to him a lot more than they do me. So I'm just like, Mario's probably laughing on inside right now because like how many times I've tagged him and to people (laughs) who have asked me and I'm like, you should really talk to Mario. Oh
6: man. I'm just pumping you up, man. I'm putting you over to everybody. Man, it looks like Mario is about to step into the octagon, right? I mean, I'm right.
3: No, I think Ywande and I were actually probably going to say the same thing. Yeah, that's why I
4: think. Correct
3: <laughs> me if I'm wrong. Um, it's not my job to educate the white community. It's, it's not. I mean, it's their job. And I, I, I don't mind having dialogues, don't get me wrong. But um, I'm not overwhelmed in the dialogue yet. I'm overwhelmed in everything else. Um, that can last two weeks. Um, you know, we haven't mentioned Ahmad Arbery, who was chased down by people in his neighborhood because they thought he was stealing and, and a construction site. Um, but um, I think th- the black community as a whole, but I'm also just only speaking for myself. It's not our job to educate racist, uh, people that are uncertain, I can lead you in the right direction and I can give you a, a, a plethora of books to read. But I mean, I've talked to several people and they said, I'm just, I've, I've talked to friends and said, I'm overwhelmed. I am fed up of someone reaching out to me and say, Hey, how are you doing? How are things? What can I do to change things? Well, that's a question you should have been asking when Rodney King was in 92. That's a question you should be asking when Trayvon Martin was killed with because he had a hoodie on eating Skittles. That's a question that should have been asked when Emmett Till was killed. That's a question that was asked when Kunta Kente had his name changed. The story, it's not a true story, but the context. That's questions that should have been asked because let's let's be all – honest here when when we moved here to the united states it was in the name of god right and so how do you how do you divide christianity and racism and and try to rationalize it but biblically it talks about these things not being okay but then you rationalize it because you're doing god's work so that is a question i mean those overwhelming questions that we're definitely getting um asked consistently right now because of what's going on I mean, you want to be a doctor, you, you you study. You want to be a coach, you take coaching license. You want to be a better person or better parent, you read parenting books. But if you don't want to be racist, read books. <laughs> you know, ask questions, but do your own homework. Do your own research. You know, I mean, that that's me. Probably not what Yawande was going to say after I started, but. Um,
5: no, it was pretty, pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> like that overwhelming piece. Yeah, it does come from like, all of this kind of happening at once and still hearing people go, okay, he was killed, but you know, there's, there shouldn't be a, but like it's so much in front of your face. And it's like, these are things that we've been saying and been saying and been saying, and it's like, now you want to listen. And then you want to come to us. Like we've been telling you. Um, So I think now I'm just like, it's, I'm, I can't, I can't say much more than, you know, what we've been saying that you didn't want to see or hear. So that's kind of why I'm just like, all right, like, we'll take a time out and <laughs> do your research and then we can have a conversation where you're prepared to have a conversation, you know? Um, so, yeah, it was it, that, very similar to that for sure. Um, I mean, I, I've definitely had, you know, white friends reach out and, you know, I haven't had as much of, of the what can I do. A lot of it is just like, I, I see you, I'm with you and I support you and I definitely. For sure. Appreciate that. Cause I, I know it, it's kind of like, I know who's in my corner, right? I know who's trying. Um, but it, it's not, uh, there, there, there wasn't much overwhelming from that. It's mostly just kind of seeing all of this and just being so shocked by the number of people, not necessarily in my circle, but that are still just confused or like not understanding about what's happening. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at.
1: No, again, all, all somewhat different answers, but all, all very good answers as well. I think it's, it gives a lot of perspective to, to people that are curious about it, which is is really, really good. Um, kind of, I want to switch because we are all coaches. Um, for players that are out there that are, and again, I, I think you guys are in a very good, unique position to be able to offer guidance to players that are curious about what to do right now, especially like. I've, I've been talking, we, we have a few uh, black players on our team and they've been talking to me about going to the protests and things like that and what they do, but a lot of them are like kind of scared too. Simultaneously, they're, they're kind of scared because they, they want to go to the protests, but they've also seen what's happened with police and some of the, the um, protest groups. And I guess like for student athletes that either are in areas where protests are available or student athletes that maybe are in like a very rural area where like protests aren't uh, something that they can easily get to or go watch and be a part of, what would your advice be to people that like you would like to continue to support their teammates that might be going through something right now?
4: Um, I think for me, just with that question, I think more of like the long game of it, I think this is more of a marathon than a sprint. So, you know, just based off what you wanted and Mario was saying, like, um, be educated, you know, and everything. And for me personally, like, I don't mind someone having the conversation. Like, I've opened myself up for that because um, I think what's happening right now is, first of all, we start with the pandemic. So everyone's high-stressed, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. They're thinking their safety nets in different manners, and you realize the safety nets are not there um, due to the – you know, the world being shut down for a while, it's like we're not moving around and just doing, going, 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 going. So just with these different uh, just police brutality and just, you know, racism moments that have happened, like, in the past, like, few months, it's like you can't ignore it anymore because you've slowed down the pace of your life. Like, it's right there. What do you do and everything like that. And so I think for student athletes, it's just like, can I have the conversation? Can I do my research and, like, learn about it? And, um, you know, you know I understand with conversations is vulnerable because people are afraid to say the wrong things people are afraid to ask the questions and stuff like that so I think if we all can let our guard down you know and I understand like everyone has their hurts and everything like that but for me personally it's like can I let my guard down and be willing to be transparent and um, point people in the right direction and make them realize like hey like I know you want to protest um, I realize you want to do something right now because I think like one thing that you wanted to say that stuck with me was just like it's starting to trend and so instead of it being like a trending moment can it be a moment where like okay now I'm aware of what's happening what can I do so that you know a month from now three months from now a year from now for the rest of my life I can do things to create change Um, I think a lot of times people think change has to happen in like big movements but change happens with each individual person. You know, and the first thing is just, like, being aware and recognizing, like, okay, what am I not seeing in the right lens, and the right frame of, like, mindset and everything like that. And so, um, I think a great way to go about this is just, like, okay, assess the situation, you know? But then also, like, I think the big thing is, is, like, how can I be, a, like, a force of change, like, from here on out versus just in one moment and everything? Um, how can I reframe my thinking so I can actually see the way things are and you know have an impact where like change actually happens because I think a big concern for me too is just like when these protests you know die out what happens you know and stuff like that
1: like what happens after the protests you know so that's what I have there yeah no and Alicia that kind of that's a really good answer because it actually kind of one of my next question was like the immediacy of this is gonna go away. At some point, we're gonna hit the middle of July and the immediacy of this is gonna go away. How, does it, how do people make sure that this doesn't get forgotten? And to what Yawande talked about earlier, doesn't become a trend like, like I, I was talking with someone the other day because if you look at this year as a whole, in January, uh, we like Pr- President Trump bombed the terrorist leader in Iran or the, whatever his role was in Iran. And everyone's like talking about world war three was going to come. And then you have like literally all of Australia is on fire for multiple weeks. And the whole, like half the country gets burned down. No one's talking about that anymore. And then COVID happens and it's everything. And now this is happening. This, um, this can't be something that is like you guys have all mentioned a trend. It has to be something that like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) no, that is the truth. Um, but, uh, like this has to be something that doesn't stop and these conversations have to get in. How do we make sure as coaches that I think we all like to think that we take care of all of our players and we talk to all of our players, but like, I think this probably deserves a different level of conversation. How do we make sure that this doesn't die down as coaches, as teachers, as mentors for these, for the kids going forward? Because I, that's the thing I've I, I struggled with. Like, I don't like, I don't know what to I don't want to, like, I'm not been, I haven't been a big poster in all this stuff because I, I don't want to like people to come back and be like, Oh, you're not posting about this in two months. I'd rather like you talked about Mario, do things that are actually action oriented that will hopefully make change. But it's, I, I think you guys spoke on it. It's gotta be something that happens three months from now, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. So it's not something that happens again in 10 years. What are action items that coaches can do out there to make sure that this momentum doesn't stop? I know that was a lot of talking for a very short <laughs> question but, but
5: um I, just kind of going back to what you said before too and it, it ties in together a bit I would say like I, I think for student-athletes and that uh you know what can they do it doesn't necessarily have to be the protest like you don't have to be that person out there on the front lines too like some of what I've heard from some of my you know former student-athletes is just they just it was radio silent from some of their teammates they haven't even heard from them right? And I think just kind of knowing again, like getting that support of like, okay, yeah, I see you and I hear you and I understand what's going on, I think is really important. And like, you know, turning that into action of like, okay, I'm going to go learn, I'm going to understand, I'm going to educate myself, right? That leads into you having that knowledge. So then when we do have these conversations, it's not taboo anymore, right? You can have them because you prepared yourself that you put yourself into that, you know, position. And I think for, um, for coaches, you know it's opening the floor maybe for those conversations to be had amongst your teammates so uh, amongst your team so that you know again it doesn't become taboo and they have that that space to have those conversations and i think that's really what it's always been is just that it was never okay to really talk about um for whatever for whatever reason so i think kind of having those conversations and you know whether it's i think you know having weekly talks is like that's much um like a lot. But you know, again, like kind of check-ins or you know, whatever it is. And like again, now now that we're here, I think it'll make it easier for coaches to have those conversations and maybe even for student athletes to be able to express those things more freely, you know, when something maybe not like this, but something you know racial happens
6: in the future. Yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree. Um just think just Keep educating yourself. Read. It's plenty of books out there. Even if you don't like to read, it's got audio books out there. It, it's plenty of things you, know, you can do. Uh, you can. They can have uh, groups that get together bi-weekly or, or once a month to 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 have the, these conversations and stuff. But overall, even outside of coaches, what everybody needs to do if you want a, a real change. The, the, the problem I have, you know, when I turned 18 in Bermuda, I couldn't wait to go and vote because I knew I'm gonna vote for my people. I well, felt that's going to be the, uh, do the best for me. But I find hurt in this country. So many people don't vote. And when they vote, they want to do the presidential election. And they don't really vote in their own state elections. If you want to make changes in your states, you have to go to the polls in your states. You want to make change? This DA isn't helping you. If you know that uh, these white guys are getting sentences that are way less than a black guys for the same crimes, or these police officers are getting off and stuff, Vote them out of office. You know, you want uh, more black history taught in schools, you know, because they don't teach a lot of it in school. Not the ones that, not what they should. Vote for a new uh, school superintendent, you know, vote for a state, vote for a new governor, vote for a new mayor. Like a lot of stuff, that, it needs to be a movement where people get out to vote. And I've heard people talk all the time about taxes as a red state. I've been here long enough. I want to say taxes is a red state. Taxes is a no vote state. Too many people are afraid to get out there and vote because when they they had the last election, but you looked at the millions and millions of people that didn't vote, and nobody knows which way they would have went, but that could have made things go a little differently. But too many people take it for granted. People died and (laughs) fought for the right for you to vote, and a lot of people don't do it. So you want to make change too? Be that person. Encourage everybody to get out to the polls. If some people have never voted before, get them out to the polls. You know, if, if you want something, you want change, that's going to be a part of it. You have to do that.
0: You mentioned, you know, just one of the many things that people can do. Uh, you know, what are other resources? I know like with Mario, we've talked about various books for people to read, but you know, what what is a resource that a player has asked, uh, you know, hey, is there something I can, is there something specific I can read or or a, a podcast or a soundbite that I can specifically listen to or watch? Um, you know, what are some good resources for those student athletes um, who are wanting more information on this. So I think, you know, obviously, like you said, uh, at least in the college uh, range, you know, we all of our kids are able to go vote, um, you know, and, and giving them the, the knowledge and the power to go do that. What are some other resources uh, for those student athletes uh, who are looking for more information on how to continue to 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 put an impact and make that change happen?
5: I mean, you're just talking about books, you're talking about,
0: podcast whatever resource Uh, everybody pick a resource
5: (laughs) okay well um, I actually because we've been talking about a lot of these and um, got a couple of books um, in the recent weeks too Um, so some of the books are white fragility I've heard um, how to be and Mario
0: was like dang I was going to use that one
5: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um how to be anti-racism is, is another one um i mean there's i mean i watched 13th on netflix like years ago and even for me like that was you know part of my own education and i was just like man it's worse than i thought <laughs> you know um so i mean there's I'm trying to think what else you got
6: the 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 new jim crow that's a really oh yeah the
3: color of law um, biased. So you mentioned stamped from the beginning by Abraham X. Kendi. He also has, I'm sorry, you mentioned how to be an anti-racist. He has stamped from the beginning. Okay. Um, he also has anti-racist and stamped. So two parts on both of those books stamp from the beginning, stamped, how to be an anti-racist, anti-racist, um, white fragility by Robin DiAngelo. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone's mentioned it. It's the resources education. Um, There's lots of podcasts out there. The books are phenomenal. White fragility is an amazing book because um, we all understand that no one wants to talk about race and white fragility talks about why um, the white race is talk about racism. Um, And there's two options that they talk about it. Fight or flight, or you, you go back into your shell. It's, you mentioned something that is making me uncomfortable and I'm going to argue it. And now I'm frustrated that you challenge whether I'm not, I'm a racist, you know, or it's, I'm not going to have this conversation and then there's no progress made there. Right. And so, um, I think, so my wife put me onto white fragility and I, it was an eye opener. Um, and like we had this talk with our girls yesterday and I talked about it on the soccer chat, um, um, zoom yesterday as well. But, uh, several girls, you know, I mentioned, Hey, that's great. We'll talk, but educate yourself before we talk. And they said, okay, cool. What, you know, and some of them already sent screenshots of, I bought this on Amazon. I definitely want to talk about it after I read. And so those are the dialogues I think that will continue if they're educated, they're going to be willing to talk. But once the two, three weeks end from here, um, and everyone stops posting or retweeting on Twitter and the marches die down, um, and, and COVID disappears like it has, um, you go back into your normalcy of life. Um, but I think the challenging part for us as, uh, administrators, coaches, leaders, you know, whatever it is that we do in our own, our own profession is, um, speaking up and challenging people when they're in the wrong appropriately, but it, it's amazing. You can ask the other guests on here. It's amazing how many times we hear racist things being said and the people have no idea that they're, it's actually a racial thing. Like Mm -hmm. using an accent of someone else's heritage and, you know, uh, having inappropriate nicknames or, you know, having, uh, you know, slang words for certain things that have derived historically that is, is a racist thing, Um, you know, and so, so I think the education part will start to challenge players and staff members, leaders and administrators in the schools to say, whoa, I need to take a deeper look into the things that I've been saying and doing that I had no idea that it's actually racist. And it's significantly more prominent than we know. And those books are the only way to actually realize like, man, I've been in the wrong for quite a while and I have no idea about it and how I think many people I've offended and hurt because of it.
0: That's something that, that my wife and I have kind of chatted about in the last couple of days is I think there's, there's such obliviousness to it that people don't realize what they are saying and what they are doing, um, you know, whether it's they're not educated or they just think like, oh, we're so far past this that it doesn't bother people. Um, and that's something that's super disturbing is, is I think. And it seems to be that those are the ones that when you approach them and say, hey, that's wrong of you to say that, or it's wrong of you to say it that way, or that's wrong of you to call that person that, that they're the ones who are like crazy shocked about it, that you're upset about it. And they just don't realize it. It's the same thing I, I've heard with teams where, you know, you hear there are teams that, uh, you know, are cliquish. And you can normally see that all the minorities on, on the program are all in one of the groups. And the other groups don't notice that, you know that that group of minorities think, well, this group is racist because every time that they have something, we're never invited. And the other group who doesn't know that they're being referred to as racist, they're just thinking our group is fine, we're cool. Their group is fine, they're cool. That group over there is fine. Everybody's cool. There's no problem here. But they don't see what their actions are putting off to people. Uh, and then when they get confronted about it, it's like, oh my gosh, I would, you know, I would never do such a thing. But then when they realize all the events that have happened of, Hey, you've excluded us from these conversations. You've excluded us from these events. This is why we, you know, we have this perception in our mind. And so the obliviousness I think is, is the biggest thing that for me has been, you know, I kind of mentioned this today to some people about there's a, and obviously it's the demographic on, on who we have on various social media platforms. You know, for me, like Twitter is all my soccer people, celebrities, uh, you know friends and 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 obviously like our, our student athletes, stuff like that, and then Facebook is family and friends and For me to see the difference in support on those two platforms has been incredibly heartbreaking, and I, I found myself today thinking, okay, maybe yesterday uh, on on Blackout Tuesday with people putting the information out and saying, you know we're standing with this, and here's things that you can contribute to here 's things you can educate yourself with that." I found myself like waiting, waiting for family and friends of mine to support family and friends of mine and to see who wasn't, it it kind of made me wonder like, do they really think that way or is there a fear to say something or is it that fear of, I don't know what to say? Uh, and, 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 you know, Mario and I were chatting the other, uh, yesterday on, on our coach's call is you know, and it's something that he kind of brought to my mind and I mentioned it to my wife. She was like, totally was, you know, for someone who's who's biracial like myself, I have an instance where I'm either too white or I'm too black. And there's never that in between. And, and, you know, Mario made a a, a comment of, you know, when you get pulled over, you know exactly what you are. And in just the few times I've been pulled over, bingo, 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 every single time I've been treated a specific way. And again, it's that even to my own obliviousness, you know, having people from high school call and, and you know, apologize for things that I, even at the time, I wasn't aware of, you know, things that maybe were being said about me or said about someone else. I just, I wasn't in tune to what they were saying that now it's like, oh my gosh, like the obliviousness that I may have had as a youth. Now, maybe that obliviousness is also something that's going on um with, with, within the society. And, and just within, just, I, I think also that, with society, I think we're also massive airheads that we just worry about what's in our own bubble. We don't really care about the bubble on the outside of ours. Um, and, and that, you know, that's the part where I think the, you're seeing some people, I mean, how many posts has everyone seen where, you know, I, I thought Trip Rogers had a great tweet this morning um, talking about, you know, the effect on what our zoom call last night had on him. He said it was a restless night of sleep. He was someone who when Kaepernick took a knee, he was mad as hell and you know was outspoken about it. But as time has went on, and especially with specifically within these events, he has found himself to get more educated, to learn more because now he understands what that was about. And he finds himself hurting because of how he felt um, at the beginning. And for me, like it's like, okay, even if there's one person a day that gets affected that way, that's, that's the direction we're trying to go is to educate more and for me, uh, you know, I, I I tried to stay out of this conversation just because of you know I I felt like it, the platform's more for for you all and and for me it's you know being able to to partake in this and, and listen to what you're saying and and put this on a platform you know if we can if, if this can just reach that one person who now goes back and and finds the books that we talked about who's found the podcast or they're finding the movies. To where now they're gonna respond and say, "Hey, I checked this out. I'm so sorry. I, you know, now I get it. What can I do? Or you know, now here's what I want to come up with going forward. I think it's stuff like this that is going to help that obliviousness uh, that I feel like a, a lot of people have right now.
3: Can we talk can about you... the Kaepernick thing? Oh, oh. sorry. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Go ahead.
5: I just, I was just, I wanted, I I got a little bit of an answer there, but I, when you said the oblivious part, I wanted to know who you were talking about with the obliviousness.
0: So Um, like, so, so like, for example, like, do you want me to talk like that team thing or just no? no, no.
5: I mean, you were saying like, people are kind of in their own bubble and like society is airhead. Yeah.
0: So for me, I feel like the whole, like, we've seen the picture of the thing that says, you know, uh, privileges, not understanding something's a problem when it's not a problem to you. You're okay, And so that's where I think that that whole obliviousness comes from is because that's not a problem. I don't see that as a problem because it's not happening to me or it's not happening to people around me. Gotcha.
5: That, no, you're good.
0: Finger I, probably should, I probably should have said that.
5: No, it's okay. I just, it kind of just triggered something in my head. Cause I was like, I've never been that because I've never had, yes, the privilege to be able to do that right like yeah. especially as a black woman right with the stereotypes and you know oh any black woman or we're loud we're outspoken, we're this we're that like i've always had to tiptoe around like what other. Like, i
0: always say hell yeah I am, am. I am loud when i get excited i get hella loud
5: yeah <laughs> but you're a man you can do that um <laughs> i get high
0: pitched i get high pitched like my daddy and if oh, I, oh boy
5: like, you know i have like and i'm pretty you know energetic and I, i'd like to i'm you know extrovert and I'd love to just kind of bring people together and do all these things. Right. But I feel like I can't get excited in the wrong ways. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's looked at a certain way. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I've always had to like, all right, well I have to talk like this. So they don't think this about me. I have to look like this or dress like this, or I can't say certain things or I have to keep quiet about certain things that I may be passionate about because I don't want to come off as to whatever, you know, insert adjective here. So, mm-hmm. That that was kind of where my head went when I was like, yeah, no, that's never been my my life. So,
6: <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, real quick before we go on to the ca- captain with Mario, just want to rewind a bit when you say, um,
0: get him the band, <laughs> get him the captain's band.
6: <laughs> um, just just rewind a bit when you say, where where can you get information? You know, I, I grew up in a time uh all the internet was available to you and and everything else. So right now, the internet. You know you can go online you can find information like that i grew i was fortunate enough to to have a family that black history was a must so i had to read had to learn when i watched roots when i watched Serafina, when i watched higher learning like it it was it was so much stuff that (laughs) that, So uh,
5: yeah
6: you know that that's the stuff that got me in and got me being more passionate about it so once i really fully engaged my my blackness i want to learn history I just went to the local library. I started picking up books. You know, I, I read, you know, Frederick Douglass and numerous other books. You know, and, and that was back before the, the internet was was there. So, and what what's been said already, if you want to learn, you can find a way yourself to go and find the resources for you to learn about it. it, it if I could do it back any day before, you know, internet was available to and just a click and find it. It's it's there.
0: Robert's are like, mad at the library so much. And all these kids can just do it on their phone.
1: No damn kids, Privilege <laughs> They don't know anything about that, do they, Robert? <laughs> no oh, man. He's
0: like, we had no Amazon. Just <laughs> buy a book, get it two days later.
6: I know. No, let's Mario, just, you had something to, to, to the UFC champ.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of want to touch on the Kaepernick thing because um, I think there's going to be listeners here that still don't get it. Did anybody see agree? Drew Brees today? And that's why I I, I wanted to talk about it. So it get me started. So, do you want to talk about Drew Brees real quick?
0: Well, so I you know just I guess I'll quick paraphrase it was he basically came out and said you know he's not for anyone who's disrespecting to the military and disrespecting to the American flag, which again that was never the intent of what Kaepernick was doing, and I was really proud of how many NFL players came back at Drew Brees, including teammates and including guys who he was buddies with LeBron came out about it. And I, Uh everybody knows I'm not a, a LeBron guy, but I even, as soon as he posted it, I told my wife, I was like, "Woo! LeBron brought it. And like, I was like pumped about it. And that really, and again, I think that's the obliviousness because I think LeBron said it best. Like you still don't know because you don't listen. So Go, yeah. Captain Mario, the floor is yours.
3: <laughs> um, when people will say, you know, it's disrespecting to the country, to the flag, to the military. You know, when Kaepernick first started to protest, he was sitting on a bench, and a veteran said, "Hey, man, yes. I love what you're doing. I want you to take a knee. I think that's more respectful." Mind you, this veteran had done time at war, had. A- an amazing career, medals, I mean, well respected in the military. And this white did, individual, did he work for the Forty ers um, at
0: the time too? Like he was like a an no, assistant.
2: I don't or an necessarily office guy. Like he
6: had a, I think he was
3: I think he was in a, in a, an administration role, yes. Or like yeah, I remember to he, administration, I know right. he
0: worked for the Forty ers too. Right. At the same time. And
3: so what people don't understand, you know, is they're looking at that one little detail and not the fact. And we talked about it already, is you know, when he started doing this, he was taken a knee for several instances, but one of those instances and put it in a little bit of perspective for the listeners that still be like, I don't, I don't agree with it. That's fine. Well, I served in the military, so I'm okay with it. And I have military friends that are okay with it. So who are you to rationalize whether it's okay or not? When the ones you're saying it's offending are saying, I'm not offended because I'm not offended, but what I'm offended is that they negate the fact that 249 black men were killed unarmed. And it's like 13% of the people, the police force have actually been charged for those crimes. You know, uh, George Floyd's uh, murderer had been part of two separate instances where people passed away and he was still in the workforce. And if, like Will Smith said, this has been taking place forever, but the only reason it's big now is because it's on camera, right? Yeah. And so when, when he was saying like, listen, guys, I'm taking a knee because this is something that needs to be discussed and some people still don't agree with it. But the reality is is if you do your your research and, and you learn about history, about how deeply rooted this is, not just in the United States, in the world. I mean, read stamp from the beginning, Abraham Kennedy talks about Um, in Africa, the Europeans used to go down there and convince blacks that they were uh, demons on earth. That's why their skin was dark. And in order for them to be saved and lighter skinned, they had to go to Europe because they didn't have as much sun. And so they taught them English and convinced them that they were possessed demons from earth because of their skin color and they needed to be saved and cleansed. I mean, and that's, I'm talking about hundreds, thousands of years ago. That was how they were convinced to start making these moves. And then they convinced black leaders in Africa that they were doing God's will and they were going to send them off. You're going to get money. You're going to provide for your family. This is God's will. And we're going to send off your people to other places to, to now become cleansed of your demonic possessions. So Kaepernick taking a knee is derived from hundreds and thousands of years of oppression, not even just 400 years of American oppression, but like, it's a serious thing. Like we've all had stories. I, I, I get, I get, looks. I get nervous and, and I, I'll bring it up again. Like it, I, it's still mine isn't in as bad. And this is just my opinion. Listeners will get mad, whatever is the black female has it even worse. I mean, you have to live in a stigma. Yep. And so think about the fact that, you know, everyone is trying to complain about a knee or, Oh, why are they rioting and looting? He took a knee. So that didn't happen. And they ignored him. And then they ignored Eric Reed. They ignored Kenny Stills. They ignored, you know, all these players, the U S national team, Megan Rapino taking a knee. They ignored all those people. And then now when, Anyone that has a sibling, imagine when your sibling's picking on you, right? And they keep hitting you, and you keep hitting you, and eventually, what do you do? You turn and hit them. You get fed up. I, I'm telling you, hit me again. I'm telling you, hit me again. And then eventually, it boils over. And that's exactly what's happening here. And and I want it to be very clear. I'm not. This isn't a black versus white thing. This is a racism versus black thing. And you see it in all races. And listen, I don't. I, and I do want to say that clearly. Like, I don't have anything against white people at all. And I want, and I, people that know me know that it's true, but I also want them to understand like this systemic oppression has boiled over in so many of our lives that education is the only way to fix it. And speaking out is the only way to fix it. Because Nick, think about this. If you're outspoken on social media about your feelings, because you strongly believe in this one or two people that might disagree with you says, man, I really respect Nick. I've always respected Nick. He's standing up for this. Maybe I should do a little research now, no. but, and I said it yesterday and, 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 you know, silence is deafening. And when we're asking for support of our friends and on our close ones and our relatives, and they're saying, how can I help you? And I said, I need you to speak up if you believe in this. And then they don't. Well, your silence is deafening to me. And now I've just basically kind of taken you out of my circle because that was just words and not action. And, and I sincerely feel that way. If you're going to stand up and you're wanting to make a change, the ones that need to see it are the ones that aren't speaking up. And then if you do it, maybe you're now changing the mindset of someone else in this situation, which is going to open up more dialogue.
0: Absolutely. I,
5: I think that that history that you're talking about too, and like even going that far back is so important, right? We're talking about, you know, beginning that conversation. that starts with the education, you know, um, you know, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, right? You know, against police brutality, against unarmed black men, right? If you think about it, you know, going back to like the origins of law enforcement in this country, right? Slave catchers. That's where law enforcement started in this country, right? So it's it's something that's built innate, innately into that system, right? So if you had that in your head, like why wouldn't people automatically see black people as, as criminals? Like that's where it stems from, right? You know, we're talking about like, Oh, like you're you're disrespecting the, the national anthem when you when you kneel or you know, whatever, and our flag and all these things. Like when the Declaration of Independence was signed, when the Constitution was written, like we were still three-fifths of the person, right? Like those things weren't written for us. Like this, these systems weren't created for us. So why would they ever work for us? So when you have that, that that mentality of these things that we've been programmed to believe over, you know, decades, centuries, whatever, right? You start to kind of see it, and then that's when you can begin to unlearn. All of these things that had been you know that you've thought for your entire life and like I, even for me right like i will i would be lying if i said that i wasn't i never walked down the street and saw a black man and was like and i had to check myself right it, it's it's what we've been told our entire lives like there are things that i believe about myself that like i've been told my entire life that i had to unlearn yeah. so I, I, like that part for me was Thank you for saying that. You know, you are talking about going to the root of the problem. Like that's where it stems. That's where
3: that becomes important.
1: And even yes, the yeah. three fifths of the person wasn't that just for electoral college votes too? Like it wasn't for anything yeah. else. Like,
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: that
1: was that was literally it. I think it was. nothing yeah.
3: else.
0: <laughs> Everybody who's listening to this right now is going, "Oh yeah." Uh huh. Like, <laughs> oh, wow, light bulbs are going off right now. Yeah, I it, hope
6: it's so, so. Crazy. And Mario, you 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 hit it right. Uh, I still find it crazy that people are still saying what Kaepernick done was 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 disrespectful when he tried to do it in the most respectful manner and it, it, it didn't even get recognition for the first few times he was doing it it wasn't until he got interviewed in the locker room after a game and then he said it and then this man everybody just went crazy oh his disrespecting is this and that um you but they're saying his disrespecting the troops and disrespecting the flag but the same Black people that fought in these wars, they came back from these wars and got disrespected by their own country. They were given nothing, and they were still treated like crap. They were still called the N-word. It was nothing given to them. So you're saying the your flag was being disrespected, but what about all those Black troops that served, that fought, that lost limbs for this country, that didn't have the luxuries that everybody else has? So it's always funny to me when, when, when they say that. And then to even talk about, well, why are black people so ghetto? Why you're in this? Why you're in that? I mean, to even do that, you have to go back to 1712 to and go back to, to really Lynch and the speech that, that he gave to slave owners on, this is how I'm going to show you and teach you how to keep your slaves down, how to make them obedient and stuff. So it goes so much deeper you know, but this is the type of things you have to listen, you have to study and learn because that really lynch stuff. What he did is relevant today.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and would it wouldn't be soccer chat if I didn't ask this question uh, as we get out of here. Well,
4: that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so, and, cause you know, we definitely want to, you know, we always try to showcase, you know, everybody's full personalities here. And this is a, a question that for whatever reason, I always expected, soccer coaches to have this answer real quick. And in the 140 some, t- some odd times that we've done the show, it's been impressive to Nick and I, how many coaches are like, I don't have an answer to that. So as we get out of here, what I want you to do is, because uh, this is a big community about getting people connected and networking, let people know how they can reach out to you, whether it's a Twitter handle, an email address, if somebody was to call in, uh, and, and talk soccer with you uh, or, or, you know, training ideas and just, like I said, just to create that network. Um, I'm with you all, you know, so, you know, just kind of, uh, give everybody your information for that. But also the question that I always ask its the only good one I ever have is if you could describe your coaching philosophy in a song, which song is that?
4: All right. Well, everyone
0: is looking at me like, what did you just ask? <laughs> but so, so the thing that we kind of, we, we try to say is like, you know, there's gotta be some song that. Whether you listen to it before a game or you listen to it on the way to a game as a coach, that just gets you like, almost like kind of like your own like walkout song, or there's some song that when you hear the words to it, you think about like how you are as a coach and go, that that sounds like me, Um, because I feel like people there, I feel like there are songs that match personalities in in the the um, careers that everyone has. So like I said, you know, you know, kind of give everybody information and then what would that song that matches your coaching philosophy be?
4: All right. Since that's such a deep question, I just had like this thought back to the previous subject. I know this is an important. <laughs> <laughs>
0: go for it. Go for
4: <laughs> it. I just have to say this, um, just the whole Kaepernick situation. Um, his intentions were great, but I think one thing we have to realize, I like, guess a society with social media these days, like it can easily twist things and stuff. So mm-hmm. can we, be able to like actually do the research and determine what the source and like what the purpose is behind things and stuff. Because um, I think we're all like being manipulated a lot with uh, just different topics at hand, especially that one too. Cause it's like, yeah. no one wants to talk about like, you know, the fact that a veteran said, Hey, take a knee. Like no one wants to talk about that. And it's that just,
0: veteran came um, out and like it, mentioned it and no one still <laughs> cared about yeah.
4: that. Yeah. So like, cause he wasn't black. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, being willing to like educate yourself, but also just like be aware that social media people manipulate things so that they can make it trend and things like that and stuff too. And just like also with the media too. It's like, there's a lot of peaceful things going on right now, but like, they just want to show like the worst of the worst, which is a very small percent and stuff like that. And so I think like what everyone has said, it's like, it goes back to the roots of just like the foundation of this country. It's just like we got to keep showing what the roots are in different ways. Like the media is doing that. Social media is doing that too. And so, um, yeah, just the education piece for yourself is like very, very important in everything. So I hope that gave you guys enough time to like actually think about your song. Now I'm gonna that was
0: like, that was a clutch move. You I like that.
1: <laughs> like, Klay, you see, got your backs. Lisa, <laughs> girl. <laughs>
3: Alicia, we'll let you answer last. So now you can get your
1: Absolutely. thoughts together. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Alicia
0: came through on the clutch with that one. All of our guests that we've had before, it's just been themselves. And they're like, I need to think about this, are now upset that they've not had more people on the show <laughs> with them to have time to think about it before they answer. <laughs> oh
5: man. I mean, I've come up with something. So, I mean, if I had more time, I, I'm sure I'd come up with something different. But, um, so I don't really use Twitter at all, but I'm gonna plug that anyway so I get more followers. So
1: yeah, uh,
0: whether it's whether it's your team Twitter or your own personal Twitter, but let's yeah, get no, your let's get your low. let's get your follower count up. Let's get you that going.
1: Follow all. everyone that comes the show, so you at least got two more. <laughs> <laughs>
5: uh, my handle on Twitter and Instagram are actually the same, and um, it's Yawandeful, Play on words, yeah, sure, whatever. So Yawande, Y-E-W-A-N-D-E-F-U-L, um, and then UC Davis W Sock is our. I
0: just now got that. Yep. <laughs> you had to, you had to spell it out for me.
5: Yeah. I'm glad you caught on. Um, but yeah, UC Davis W socks are uh, same thing. Uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um, and then my song would be, we ready? Lil Archie. Okay.
4: Yeah. Lil Archie. But,
5: um, so I don't think I've listened to the entire, like the words of like all of that song, but just like that. Yeah like constantly like being ready right so for me like I want to give my players all the tools that they have right and you know a bunch of options for like how they can you know think about the game or whatever and like I've given you enough right to be able to sort that out on your like by yourself on the field right and then in general too it gets me pretty hyped. so there's that
0: I can still remember hearing that for the first time in college
5: oh that was not awesome. in college when that song Dude, that out. was high school for <laughs> sure <laughs> 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 all y'all
1: young bloods man middle school oh god you are I'm in middle school, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's like, every time like my wife's always like oh i remember that song in eighth grade i'm like that means i was a senior in high school <laughs> like that song is that's crazy oh my goodness i remember first time i heard we ready from from little archie and i was just like mesmerized And was like, this is Like, you're
5: ready to go, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I was just like, this is like the most incredible thing. Um, And of course, like, I went to a high school where my senior year, another biracial kid moved in. And we, you know, the big thing was like, we were the one black guy that our school had, but we also were another white guy that our school had. And I remember like, he had never heard it, I never heard it, and we had heard it in the locker room during a football game. And one of my, I just remember listening to it, I was like, what is this? And somebody's like, little Archie, man. I'm like, whoa. I didn't, and I was just like, a, first of all, a rapper named Archie. Oh,
5: his name's Archie Eversol. I just said Lil Archie, like we were boys. We're not, but no,
0: no, well, no. I mean, <laughs> hey, you, you didn't. See, here's the problem: you said that, now people are gonna know that you're not tight. Yeah,
5: and I was like, yeah, dang, you know. yeah, you, yeah. On that <laughs> don't don't go Google Lil Archie because
0: <laughs> you what? will find you will find pictures of Lil Archie on your fool uh,
1: on on Twitter
0: and Instagram.
1: Was it Bubba you know? Sparks on that one too? The the, the guy who sang Maybe. Movie? Like, Bubba, I think Bubba Sparks might have been on that one,
4: too.
1: Maybe. Bubba Sparks is a way that back song. machine, too. I actually
6: played that, that song right before our final against Richland in our regional tournament. <laughs> I thought Rob was going to say, I played that song because before we
0: got on here. I was like, "Oh, you yeah, were We real won like, the <laughs> national <laughs>
6: tournament, so, hey, it worked. There you go. <laughs> there you
0: go. What about everybody else? What's your, what's your song and, and what's your, uh, your information that people can contact you?
6: All right. My Twitter handle is Island Boy. Coach Island boy, boy underscore underscore Coach. Give me the rap. Yeah, That's me. Always gotta represent you. You know, know the thing. Uh, and as as an Island guy, you know it's gotta be a reggae song. You don't know Ooh. so. Uh, my day from Taurus Riley. That, that that's my song, when I wake up to that song. It, it motivates me. It gets me pumped. So yeah, Taurus Riley, check that out. Get into some. Get into your Island flavor, huh? You don't know about that. Look at look at your boy <laughs> Robert. Look at my boy. Love it. Oh
3: shoot! I guess I'll go. Yeah, Uh, you got to. (laughs) Coach M. Felix on Instagram and Twitter. Hashtag best
0: Um, eyes in college soccer.
3: Oh my gosh! And um. Wait, can
0: you?
5: Sorry, go ahead.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my song. Man, I thought it would talk about like coaching philosophy, so I went with a different turn, but I. I went with Suave Mente by Elvis Crespo, because you know I'm that's that that's the Latin side of me. Um, but I also like I love a beautiful style of play. And so, you know, suavemente is kind of that that's how I want it to be, you know. And so um well, man's not I mean, here. You know what I'm saying, and so uh, but I listen to everything, but that's that's my song, Suave Mente. So Elvis I do
0: ha- I do have to admit that uh we were we were at the pool today. And I was talking about doing this show with my wife, and I was like, you know, when Mario's gonna be on the show, he's got the best eyes, most beautiful oh eyes in college soccer. And she just like dropped her jaw was like, what? And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, so I've known Mario about a year now. I met him in LA last year at camp. And as soon as I met him, I was just like, you have the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen.
1: That's how I was introduced to Mario. <laughs> yeah. And I mentioned, I said, convention. I, I said, I <laughs> the introduced camera in to... my face this
0: close. I'm like, oh, cool. Nice to I meet inter- you, Nick. I was like, I introduced Nick to Mario at convention as we were interviewing him. I had the camera, Nick had the microphone that wasn't connected to anything. And I was like, oh guys, look, it's Mario Felix, best eyes in college soccer. And Nick was like, yeah, starts, ans- starts asking a question. And then Becky Burley's like, oh my God, he does have beautiful eyes. And Nick stops and goes, oh my God, those eyes are beautiful. I don't even think we even a- asked him the question because then it became about his eyes the rest of the time. <laughs> oh man. Take pride in him, Mario. Come on. You got to hey, You got to flex I, that I, hashtag. Listen, most beautiful eyes in college I, soccer.
3: I appreciate the compliment, man. You can never turn down a compliment, so thank you. <laughs> so
0: I'll humble. leave it at that. <laughs> so humble, I love it.
4: Actually,
0: All right, I'm the one main one event one coming in clutch. You've had some time it's to like, think.
6: Uh, if you my IG is Zaire Q. You know, his name is my daughter, so Zaire Q.
0: Look, at Robert's like hey, y'all forgot about my IG. Hold up. Uh, Yeah,
6: like the country with a q at the end yeah
4: gotcha so for me my name is actually a plot twist it's spelled like Alyssa but it's pronounced Alicia and so uh Twitter handle for me is Alyssa A-L-Y-S-S-A my last name is Whitehead so I have uh He so W-H-I-T-E-H-E and then Instagram is just my full name and then one two seven so Alyssa Whitehead one two seven and I definitely because I'm a I'm a thinker that's just how I am. I got too deep with thinking about the song and stuff. So I was thinking You can about,
0: never get too deep on this question.
4: Yeah. So I was thinking more of like what's the mindset that I want to like, you know, have for myself and like my team to have and everything, like as a goal. And um for me, I'm half Jamaican, so I had to bring in the Caribbean side of things too. So uh, oh, talking about. Robert's talking eyes about. got big. Boy. <laughs> I gotta bring some <laughs> in it. And I just love his song champion. Like that's oh, that's uh, like, you know, that positive talk to yourself, you know. And cross. like you got, walk like a champion, talk
0: like a champion, you know? So Uh that's my song. Awesome. 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 You know, again, from, from Nick, myself, and I think from all of our, our listeners, uh, all the people who do our Twitter chat uh, every single Wednesday night. um, Thank you. Thank you for doing this uh, and, and stepping up and using this platform to, to speak, um, to give your side of things uh, because unfortunately I I think that we all have um, you know the 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 thing used to be like you know we have friends who can count on one hand how many black friends they have um, and the thing with soccer chat is that you know it's a it 's a massive community it 's a massive family uh, of people together, and we 're just trying to introduce people to coaches from all over the world from all walks of life uh and just to to create. Uh, even more knowledge you know not just about the game but just of life as well and and so from us uh you know i don't want to speak for 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 listeners but i think uh everybody involved in soccer chat uh and and then follow it i I think everybody appreciates all of you for coming on uh taking this time out of your day i know y'all west coast people are just like hey i guess dinner time right now um (laughs) but uh you know, again, thank you so much for coming on with us and, and talking about this because it does need to be be talked about. Uh, and and there, is, there does need to be this side of things uh, that are talked about because, like we said, maybe there's one person who listens to this. Like, you know, Mario said, maybe Nick makes a comment and someone goes, you know what, Nick's a stand-up guy. I'm going to check this out. Maybe somebody's listening to this right now or watching this. It says, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take you up on this offer. I'm going to read these books. I'm going to find this information uh, so that way I can be more, more knowledge. So again, thank you all so much uh, for, for coming on the show with us this week uh, in in this very important time uh, in history and, and, and speaking, speaking your piece on it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks for having us. Yeah. Appreciate it all i ever had redemption songs these songs of freedom songs of freedom
1: I, I think on this show, we've, we've always done a, a good job of like, we, we try to stay kind of apolitical. We don't, we don't like, we, we want to try to stay out, like, out of trying to be overly controversial. Our, our goal is to just allow people to share stories. And it's funny, we got done with this, and this should be the least political thing of all time. Like, to, to say that racism and to fight racism and to say that the persecution against black people is bad should be the least political thing of all time. That should be the thing that should be the easiest thing for every person to agree on. And I, and I hope after listening to the stories and, and, and how hard it is for the, all four of the guests that we had on, it's, I mean, this should not be something that is difficult to get behind.
0: Yeah. And this whole like week has, has really made me think in so many different ways. Um, and I, I don't know. I've just I've been so pulled in various directions, um, and, and I've made some of it pretty well known on social media. Um, and you know, I, I had to go back and think about experiences that I have honestly just forgotten about over time, um, whether because you know it affected me and I just didn't want to think about it anymore, or I just I truly forgot. Um, and a moment that that I truly forgot was really for me my first experience of racism within soccer. Um, which was really what I also felt was like my first true experience with racism to, you know, let the, let the light be shown. If you haven't known um, I'm biracial. Uh, you know, Kai Edwards three weeks ago, just found that out. I, I don't know how, um, but I guess at the same time, I also look Hispanic. Uh, and, and I think I've made it kind of well known that, uh, you know, my father is African-American. And so, you know, uh, I grew up in a place that there wasn't very many African Americans and um I had always heard racist things but never directed towards me. Um and I it really was, I want to say it was my sophomore year of high school. Um and the seniors we had um that year in our soccer team were just I, I don't like cursing on the show personally, but they they were just legit assholes. Um and for two years, my class was just waiting for them to be gone um, because we felt like they held us back as a team. They held us back with our selfishness. Um, and we couldn't wait for them to just be gone so we could take over and, and make things right. Um, and they would do this thing where they would call various people to the back of the bus and just whatever to tirade them about or, or ridicule them about. Uh, we had a, a young man on our team with Tourette's that they would just load on um, you know, and, and get him to say things just to get a laugh out of themselves. And, um, you know, they would find something to pick on for everybody. And one day my name got called, um, and I'd go back there and, um, you know, I'm pretty strong dude. I can hold my own and, and, and laugh because I'm thinking, okay, you're going to, I'm trying to think of all the things that they can make fun of me for, um, and to be able to go along with it. And as soon as I sat down, the first thing was, Hey, why do you look like a, and I, I, I don't say the N word, even just in context purposes. Um, my big thing is my father and that side of the family doesn't say the word. It's not okay. Um, I understand that today people, Oh, there's so different, many, there's so many different meanings of it. And, or, you know, this person says it, or my family member says it, that's cool. That's your thing. It's not mine. Um, and before I could even take a thought to how to respond to this. um, My, my good friend, uh, Wes Hendrickson, who I I grew up playing with uh, in high school um, just, I I guess somehow he heard what they had said Um, and he just came back, grabbed me out of their seat and, and and pulled me back up to where we were sitting at. Um, And I think our coach overheard it too. Um, Our coach was from England um, and unleashed on him and, you know, for him to apologize and, and, you know, say the things that he had said to me, I think for me, that was kind of, a the first moment of it. Um, and I think also like, I just really, man, I probably did a really good job of like putting that out of my memory to where like, I just randomly thought about it, uh, this week. And because I, I kept telling myself like, okay, well, I've had a handful of instances where this has happened to me. Um, every time I've been pulled over and I've only been pulled over four times, um, no tickets, knock on wood. Um, I normally can talk myself out of it, but at the same time I was have a great driving record. Um, you know, a, a former player of mine was, was uh, I was taking him to a club game. Uh, I think something had happened with his parents' vehicle. So I, I swung by, picked him up and anybody who knows me know my grandma hates how slow I drive and I got whizzed past by seven cars on interstate and a state policeman who was flying down the opposite um, side of the interstate spins and comes and pulls me over and says that I was going 15 over the limit. And I was like, sir, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to say anything here. I'm not going that fast. I, you saw me get passed by six cars. And he was like, I know what I clocked you at. And I was like, you know, all respects sir. you're on the other side of the interstate. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. I got the science behind this. Your car can't be moving and track the same speed. It just doesn't work out that way. And he kept saying, you know, this is what I got you at. This is what I got you at. And my player, who was white, spoke up and said, sir, I've been in this car. We just got passed by seven vehicles. You know, we we have nowhere to be that fast. Like our game's not for another three hours. We got a two hour drive to get there. Um, and, you know, spoke his piece and the cop came back and gave me a warning. And I was just sitting there like, a little 16 year old just got me out of a ticket. Like, that's insane. And and Mario made a good point. Uh, when he, he and I had talked um, on our college coach's Zoom, he was like, cause I always struggle with my biracialness of, what am I? And he made up a very good point and said, you know, there's, there's different options. You're either too white or you're too black, but when you get pulled over, you know what color you are. And that just really kind of like, like I said, I thought the only things I could really think of was in getting pulled over, um, had an instance in college where, uh, playing flag football against a group from Gary, Indiana, when we all know the stereotype about people from Gary, and, you know, beat a guy on on a route, caught a caught a touchdown pass and flagged football. And everybody's yelling to him, yo, you got torched by a half-breed. And I was like, "What? what? Is, is that a good thing? Like half-breed, like a horse, like a thoroughbred? And he was like, no, man. He's like, they're talking about your skin color. And I was like, oh, oh. And so it was like kind of like a backhanded compliment. And the thing that's been kind of scary is with our family, being married to a a white female with two kids who, you know, don't look like your typical mixed kids. Uh, We, we kind of joke on what's it going to be like when my son who's super pasty white, if anybody's ever seen him, what's it going to be like when he tells his friends that he's part black, they're not going to believe him. Like (laughs) he's, he's pastier than, than my wife is. And so my wife has been thinking, you know, what, how do, how should we feel that these are conversations that we really don't have to you know we don't have to tell them like hey like we have a a friend um who has mixed kids who are crazy adorable they're about nine years old yeah and they are the the cutest kids you'll ever see and they run around their, their neighborhood, you know, people let them run in their own yards as they're trying to run back to their house. Cause they've been playing somewhere. And this mom who's a friend of ours had to make this post that everyone knows my husband knows how great of a human he is. He, he works in the school corporation. Kids love him. He's such a positive role model for the, the schools that he does. He works at everyone knows my son's, Everybody talks about how cute they are, Uh, you know, and our neighborhood lets them run around and, you know, trying to get from one house to the next, they can cut through the yard. It's not a problem. At what age does that stop? What age are they not cute anymore? And what age is it that they're now scary young black men? And for us, we don't know if it's a blessing or, or something worse that, that's not a conversation that we have to have with our with ourselves as parents because our kids don't they, they other than quinn gets a little darker pucked in the summertime this is really the only resemblance they have um, to me and now for us it's okay the conversation we have to have is there's going to be a point where it's going to be known that they have grandparents who are african-american they've got aunts and uncles who are African-American and their fathers, um, biracial. And they're going to be ridiculed because of that. And when I, (laughs) when I was younger, and even the thought of having children, this what's going on right now and has obviously went on and because of social media and because of media attention, it's, it's, even more elevated than before um, is not where I expected to, is not the world I I expected nor wanted to to raise a child in. Yeah. Sorry for the rant. No, Um, no,
1: that's, it's, I mean, it's an incredibly important thing to talk about. And I I wish I could contribute more because, but this is one of those moments where I don't have that, I don't have those experiences and all I can really do is listen to people like you and, and hear, hear your stories and, and hopefully uh, try to help change in my own communities and people around me because it's, I mean, it's when you see it, like, again, it's when you see it happening to your friends and stuff, it, it definitely, I, I mean, it's horrible regardless. Um, but it, it, you, you notice it, like you said, you talked about in the podcast that we all kind of live in our own bubbles and when it happens to people are your best friends, it's, it's, it, it's different it has a different feel to it and yeah and it puts a personality to it and so no I mean really important thing to talk about I don't think it's don't no need to apologize for ranting I think it, I mean if, if anything it's I think it brings a more personality and vulnerability to what we're trying to do here right now and what you're trying to do with with, with your kids and your community and everything around you it's it's the goal is to to talk yeah. about it
0: And I, you know, and I think I mentioned this in the interview and if I I did, I know I've said at some point, but there's, there's a part of me and it's just because of how I was raised about how you're good to everyone. And I, I made the post with the pictures of all of my family on my wedding day and the picture of me with my dad's side of the family and the picture of me with my mom's side of the family. And did they always see eye to eye on everything? No, but they got along and they, they, they made it work because of love and because of a common love of, of me. And I, um, I think a lot of times growing up white for growing up with my mom's side of the family. Uh, Cause I, this, this whole week, I just, I made the, the, the tweet, you know, I, I struggle with, do I do enough? Um, and I really think that this has really led me to realize, like, I, I, I don't think I'm doing very much. And, and I, I, I just, I have this hope. Um, and, and maybe it's the the trickery of, of social media of, you know, letting my support be known, um, for Black Lives Matter and what it means to me. And, and hopefully through my words, it makes someone else who knows me or, um, who who supports me, whatever it may be, uh says, you know what, you know, he's right. This this is this is wrong and, and this needs to change. And I find myself and this is selfish. I find myself waiting to see who's vocal with support. And the last couple of days has been um, it's been really hard because I've, I've been searching to see what family and friends support my family and friends, if that makes sense. And I know that they said, you know, silence is deafening, and, and I, I keep telling myself that the silence is just because they don't know what to say. But there's a flip side that says the silence is maybe they don't care. Um, and again, maybe that's a selfish thing of me to to think. Um, but I I also, and I, I, Mario and I talked about this just personally and I go on a lot about how, you know, as, as a, as a mixed race human and, you know, I, I try when people have reached out to me, I say, you know, don't, don't reach out to me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, it, it's, you know, our, my, my friends of, of color who, who need your support. And, selfishly, like I said, I, I find myself now trying to find who's, who's supportive um, and who's not. And I hate that this is the first time I've really gotten emotional talking about it going through the whole week because I've had so many people call me and say, Hey, I've got to tell you something. And before they can say anything, they just start crying. Um, and it really hit home with me that other night when I tweeted, you know, if you have an African-American friend, think about this, you know, George Floyd, could have been somebody that you worked with, that you were good friends with. Breonna Taylor could have been somebody that you worked with. All the other names could have been someone you worked with or that you're friends with. And if you don't have an African-American person that you work with or or someone that you know and you're friends with, then think about this. Breonna Taylor could have been my, my kid's aunt. George Floyd could have been my kid's grandpa. And in turn, George Floyd could have been my father, and I hate that I had to write that. Um, and I, I posted it on all my my social media, um, but I couldn't do it on Facebook because my my dad would see it. But I, I saw someone uh, in our local protest who had a sign that really hit home that kind of touched on it said I don't want to be the next hashtag and that really struck with me um of how you know in this world that we live in now with social media and the hashtags and you know using it to, to bring awareness to thing and to keep memories going um that no one wants to be that next hashtag and I think of you know I, I posted about an incident where I got pulled over um and to think God, there was no, no body cams in, in 2001, 2002 uh, and had, you know, a backup that showed up that got caught on for an absolute dumb reason. Um, had they not known me, what would have happened and a block away from my house? Um, like how thankful, you know, I, there was no hashtagging then, but like, you know, the memory would have faded. Um, and so it, I, I was, I knew this was a conversation that we need to have on the show. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you had texted and said, Hey, I think we need to, we need to do this. Um, cause I think at the same time, like I want to do it, but I think, I mean, obviously you can hear it. it. It's something that I I try not to, uh, not that I try to avoid, but, I don't know enough about me
1: no no I mean it's I mean it's you know I mean it's it's not it's never gonna be an easy thing for you or anyone else to talk about I don't think it's ever gonna get to the point where it's easy and I ask it. that's why I have so much respect for the coaches that came on too because yeah like the entire time I'm asking these questions like god this like like I mean they even said like the first one I asked like oh you're getting into it and it's and it's it's like it's great how willing they were to share their experiences and and to be vulnerable because i mean that's what we always hope for any guest that comes on the show is they're willing to share their story and and be vulnerable in difficult spots but this is a whole new level uh to that and just the way they you uh just now and they were able to share their stories is i mean it it's gonna it's gonna make a difference for someone. It it and it's like whether it's one person, two people, a hundred people. Like hearing this is gonna make a difference for some. I mean, it already has for me. Um, and I I know I'm not gonna be the only one that's gonna hear your story, hear their stories, and be like, man, it's this is this is not good, is not right. And I and again, I said it right away. Like it should be a pretty apolitical issue, but I think it's hopefully gonna bring up the intensity about how people feel about combating racism and, and the brutality that occurred from the policemen uh, up in Minneapolis, but also in other places. It's And for a long time, as Mario pointed out, it's 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 one of those things where, right, and hopefully this is just something that, like, hearing your story and, cha- and hearing the stories of the four coaches we had on, it, it's just it, – it'll change a, just a few – people to maybe want to be a little bit more active and involved and not just do it for the next week or the next two weeks, however long it is, but to make a lifestyle change out of it. So this stuff continue, that doesn't continue to happen for the end of all time.
0: Yeah. And I, I do have to apologize for not really being much in the interview. We, I actually got a phone call um, while we were recording. Um, I had kind of pressed the issue uh, with my athletic department about releasing a statement. Um, and because uh, our school had just released something yesterday and um, they, they had put out a good message. Our, our president, Father Larry Hostetler, super awesome uh, statement he put out. He simply just took a picture of our marquee that had Black Lives Matter um, and a proverb on there and just said, um, you know, this is just so it doesn't get, you know, misinterpreted. Um, I, that, that's not verbatim what the, his tweet said, but something along those lines, like just so it doesn't get lost, like this is what we're trying to say. Um, and I, you know, we found out we weren't having our staff meeting, uh, on Thursday. And so I just kind of sent a message to my AD and just said, Hey, you've got a very diverse co- uh, coaching staff. We have a very diverse group of student athletes on our campus. They've got to know that we support them and not just our student athletes, but I think our students in general as well. And our community has to know that, um, recruits have to know that, that we stand with, we stand with everybody in this, um, and um our ad called me right when we got started or sent me a text right when we started recording um and i had had to send a message to nick in our, our recording room i was just like my ad just text me i got to call him and a majority of the reason why i was gone in that conversation was because we were compiling the statement that our school our athletic department is going to release um issuing our support for for the black lives matter movement um and Uh, It was, you know, him telling me, you know, thank you for getting this moving. Um, You know, you know that I support this just as much as you do. And I I think that this is something that needs to be done. Um, And we went in about it the way of, we've seen some of the schools that have posted stuff that you can tell it was just a a pre-written statement and it didn't mean anything. And I think the problem is I think the kids see that too. And I think that a lot of coaches, obviously publicly aren't going to say that they um, didn't agree with the statement that their schools put out. They, you know, but they have to go along with it. And we wanted to make sure that we put out a statement that our, our kids looked at it and said, you know what, these, these coaches, this, this campus has our back. Um, so that's why I was not in the interview until the very end. Uh, so I, I was attending to uh, an important matter Um but I guess uh, on the lighter side of things, to end this on a uh, on this, end this on a good note, uh, this is I think forever going to be known as the episode Sean cries on. Um, I
1: <laughs> crying, crying Sean, me, so we we'll screenshot it.
0: Crying Sean episode. Um, and if anybody tags me and says this is my favorite episode ever because you cried, I'm I'm going to be mad. Um, I got to give a, a shout out to, uh, to my wife, uh, as we got here, uh, when we were recording this, it was her birthday. She hit the big Larry bird, uh, year. Uh, so she's not excited about it, but then she constantly remembers that she's younger than I am. And I just keep getting upset at that. But at the same time, I can't say anything because next week is the, is the big one for, for myself. I officially get close to 40 and that's, I'm not looking forward to that whatsoever. Um, but, uh, I, I, am glad that I get to, I've been spending the good years, uh, with, with people like Nick and all of our friends and and all of you that are listening to the show. I've spent the, the best part of my thirties, uh, with, with everybody at soccer chat. Um, and man to think like possibly at 40 still doing this blows my mind.
1: <laughs> be um, nuts. Another, another positive news. Kelly picked out her wedding dress today. Oh,
0: praise God. Thank we, you.
1: We, we have that apparently. I don't know what it looks like, but it is. Well,
0: you're not supposed to know.
1: It's out there in the ether.
0: That's probably the most oblivious thing I've ever heard a, a groom say. She <laughs> picked out her dress. I don't know what it looks like. Like, <laughs> like yes, Captain Obvious, we know that. That's the purpose of it.
1: That's that's fair, but uh, yeah. No, she got it, she got it today. She fi- she picked it out. So that's uh she that's said yes
0: friend. to the dress.
1: She said yes to the dress. And Kelly's not a poster. Like she like if you if you follow if you're, if you're, I don't know if your friends are there on Facebook or anything, but like we are. She, it, you should know not, these
0: things, you should know these things about your fiance. I,
1: I don't know. We we just have a very trusting relationship. I, I trust my <laughs> friends on Facebook, uh, which no, she literally like every like two weeks posts a picture with me. Like that's like her, her post of Facebook. So like she I was like, are you gonna post? They said yes to dress? She's like, Hell no. I'm not doing that one.
0: <laughs> most of the from what I think, like most of the like bridal shops or whatever they're called, I think they like make you do it, or they'll do it themselves.
1: Kelly, they also offered her champagne and she's like, I just want to go get a spotted cow. I don't want champagne.
0: <laughs> I think I want of course I wasn't there when my wife got hers, but I wanna say because I know her parents and her sister came down. Um and went with her because they had found like a couple of places that had something that she liked. I think they took beer with them and just was like, we're bringing this in with us. We don't care. Uh, Cause if you know anything about uh, if you know anything about my wife, uh, it is a, it's she's a, she's a beer girl. Uh, and she's from Michigan, and they like beer, so they just took it with themselves. So, uh, let's get out of here, man. Let's end it on a good note. Um, you know, if you enjoyed the conversation, obviously, please share out this link. And as we mentioned, uh, we ha- we have the video version um, up for you. We'll have it on our Facebook. We'll have it on our Twitter, uh, so that way you can you can see uh, everybody chatting about this hopefully you're not able to see me on the phone uh, trying to do anything. I, I hopefully I had my, my microphone muted to where it doesn't trigger my, my camera on there, but um, you know, just please share this episode. If there was an episode that you were going to share, please make it this one. Um, you know, we, we've talked about, that's one of the best, that's the best way you can support this show is sharing the links out to people uh, to your coaching networks. And I know there's a lot of clubs who are saying to themselves right now, like this is something as a club we need to talk about. I know there are schools that are saying this is something we need to talk about. If you are in that club, if you are in that school, or if you are a part of that team, please use this, share this link out and, and let it be the starting point. This shouldn't be everything that you use. This should be a starting point to get you ready um, to have those conversations. So please, 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 share this link and if you want to get a hold of Nick and myself, Nick, how can people get a hold of you on the look, I'm already, I'm starting to come back now. Emotional Sean is done. We're 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 back into it. The voice is getting a little bit higher, a little bit more volume. How can people get in contact with you on Twitter?
1: At Coach and Rizzo. What about you, brother?
0: And mine is at Coach Soderling and the throat is killing me right now. I've I've had horrible sinus I if we'd have done this on Monday, there's no I would not sound like this. <laughs> I would have been <laughs> So I was like strictly texting only on Monday, but cranked up the medicine. I'm I was good to go for a soccer chat. I do this for you all. Uh, the pain, kind of like as a player, like the pain you put your body through for your team. The pain I put my body through as an old man who is under the weather for this podcast uh, is just it's, it's how much I love what we do. Uh, please follow us on on all the platforms. Chat soccer with no e, so it's S O C C R chat. S O C C R on all platforms, share the links out. Like we said, make sure to send us a, a comment of uh, what you like. Use that five-star rating and review on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast at, make sure to give us a five-star rating and review. Let us know so that way we can acknowledge you and, and thank you for listening to the show. Shout out to our friends over at do Do-tick brand, do brand.com. Use the promo code soccer chat. Get yourself a sweet discount tour and as always, I haven't heard from him in a while, but I know he's doing good in the, the small chat that we've had. Alice Riley and the mates over at Soccer IQ. Check him out on Twitter at Soccer IQ 1. Big shout to all of the soccer chat community that has been uh, having these conversations this week. Our Wednesday night chat was awesome. Our college coach's Zoom call on Tuesday was even better, even though Nick showed up super late and to get the room started. But we're not going to hold that over his head because he's vowed to be better the next two weeks. Uh, he had one off week. I think he's allowed one off week to be uh, <laughs> off the gun. Um, but uh, you know, thank you everybody so much that for the conversations that we've been having and, and a lot of coaches have reached out to me and said, it's so great to have these conversations with the coaches that we've been having with, because everybody's been understanding they've been, open to the knowledge and open to the conversation. Uh, and I think that again, speaks volumes about you who are listening to this and you who follow along on Wednesday nights at nine thirty PM central time, uh, just by following the hashtag soccer chat on Twitter. And what a great segue I just pulled off there, by the way, pat myself on the back, um, which no one's going to be able to see me do that except for Nick. Um, but uh, you know, please check us out and, and please share this episode out uh soccer chat it's it's more than a podcast it's a community it's a it's a group of coaches working together to make things better for our players and for ourselves and not just on the field as we've seen this week it's really been about off the field as well and the best part about this all is we get to do it again next week i know this is your mom's favorite line nick so i love it when i say this every time he's nick i'm shot nick we'll catch you next week
1: we'll see you later, buddy.